Well, a week off to recharge the batteries, guys. It's been, you know, listener, I got to tell you, it's been a kind of crazy week. We did our own thing. You know, we didn't have an episode for you last week because, frankly, we work pretty hard and we deserve a week off. And you know what? During that time, I got super into Taylor Swift's new red re-release really good yeah i was yep i was outside i've been outside posted outside of jake gyllenhaal's house for the past week blasting all too well the 10 minute version on repeat uh now jim jim got way too into nfts and cryptocurrency yep Uh he he blew all the patreon money on on lazy lions i had to i i had to sell cigarettes outside of the high schools yeah. yeah, that's where your Patreon money's going. Yeah, listeners. yeah. So, so we've got a lot of we've got a lot of funny images around there that you please don't right click those. I my swear. my favorite thing right about Taylor Swift's new album is it's a fuck you to the music industry. Oh yeah, you know the the executive portion of it, right? Well, and that's yeah. funny, Ryan, because Ryan has spent the past week going viral on the internet, posting things like the feminine urge to have a well balanced breakfast. So he, you know, you've been doing great on the internet, Ryan, and um, yeah, I, I'm not sure I'm I'm an authority on that, but I figured I'd take a step. Well, that's how you go viral, you know. You right. just you just put stuff out there that really connects with, sure. with people mm-hmm. in a very non meaningful way. Yeah. No, in all seriousness, uh, we're back. We're back at it, and we are super excited this week to have a very special guest we have from the organizing committee for starbucks workers united michelle eisen michelle welcome to the square thanks guys it's really exciting to be here we're very excited to have you and we've been following um the starbucks union push the labor movement here and boy it's been something to follow it has been quite a wild ride. You wouldn't know it really from our local news media, of course, but we've been following it here at the square because, hey, we love you. Yeah, give those yeah, I need to give those a jerks a, a slide yeah. whistle. One, because we love Starbucks. We love the people. We love the pumpkin spice lattes, and we love the people who make them, okay? Two, I mean, I haven't seen a Starbucks crisis this big since the cups. Remember the Christmas cups? The Christmas, yeah, it's canceling Christmas. Canceling uh, Christmas. Yeah, that yeah. was... 2015. Yeah, the, the war on Christmas. Yeah, we all remember that. Do you have, like, you know, like, some people have, like, those black, like, Vietnam vet hats. Do you have a war on Christmas vet hat? <laughs> we we don't. Oh. I mean, that goes kind of against their marketing, but I guess I could wear it on my own time. <laughs> yes, a veteran of the war on Christmas. No, I, in all seriousness, uh, seriousness, though, the Starbucks workers here at three stores in Buffalo and Western New York are unionizing. And they've faced like just a tremendous uphill battle, whether it be Starbucks corporate, uh, the local media, it's become a national firestorm of a story. So we figured, hey, we have you folks in our backyard. You deserve the time. You need to be heard. So, Michelle, we want to hear you. Let's start out by asking why. Why the union? Why now? What's up? Well, why now is that, you know, we just came out or coming out of a global pandemic where we were all sort of forced to work through this in the service industry, especially at Starbucks where, you know, profit over everything. So they weren't going to shut down and we were put through the ringer. We were tired. We were, we were exhausted by the time this union campaign thought kind of started brewing in some of our heads, no pun intended. Um, 
we were we were ready. There was we were most of us were at a breaking point, and it was either leave a company that I'd put ten years of my life into, or try to work from the inside to make it better. And that's thankfully where the majority of us fell. So that's what we started doing. Was there a tipping point? Like, was there a day that came where such and such a thing happened? We were like, ah, fuck, time I, to do this. I think there were several days leading up to that. the The kicker for most of us was when the company announced that they had um, reached record-breaking profits in the middle of a pandemic. And um, as far as we could tell, that was made on our our backs, on our labor, and none of that was being handed down in our direction. You know, it's just, it's absurd to hear a CEO of the company that you work for make that announcement. Then you hear that they've gone to the board and asked for a $40 million bonus because of these profits. Then you hear the board has said, "Mm, you know, 40 million is a lot. We'll give you 20. And I'm looking at my partners. Partners are the, is the term that Starbucks uses for their employees. You know, I'm looking at them and, and realizing that half of them can't pay their rent and put groceries in their fridge at the same time. And they're working their butts off full time for a company that's just handing out $20 million bonuses. So, I mean, that was for me, that was that was a tipping point. So, so it's Kevin Johnson, is that his name? Kevin Johnson is our CEO. So, so I, just to get it straight for everybody. Kevin Johnson asking for forty million and only getting twenty million is basically like Archduke Franz Ferdinand being shot uh, to start World War One. <laughs> it, That's right. It's it started it off. Yeah, no, I mean it's crazy the state of food service in this country in general right now. One, obviously, a lot of places have been hit by the pandemic where they can't find employees, and a lot of these companies are saying, "Oh, well, people don't want to work." It's like, well. People might not want to work. In a, they don't want to work for you. They don't want to work for you in the food industry where, A, you know, you're at risk for COVID every day being customer facing. And B, like the way you get treated at these jobs, whether it's the employers or whether it's the, the customers at times, could just be so taxing and degrading. So for a company the size of Starbucks to just like constantly say, basically go to hell to their employees who put in the work and, and built their brand. Like it's ridiculous. Which three locations were the ones that are, are the ones that are involved? So the first three stores to file petitions were the Elmwood Avenue location, which is the store I'm at um, Genesee, which is out by the airport and then camp road, which is um, I believe it's, I don't know if it's Malling dresses, hamburger or orchard park, but it's a very new store. I mean, it was just opened, um, I think March or April of this, this year, which is, also, to note, I mean, Starbucks is making so much money right now in the middle of a pandemic that they can afford to open stores across this market. I mean, when I started with the company in 2010, we were closing stores in this area. So it takes a lot of money to be able to choose to open a brand new store. And they're, they've opened four or five of them in this area in the last year. So you have to know how much money is coming in, not only to the company, but into this market specifically to be able to take that risk to open a new store. What's interesting to me is that that store had been open for a mere two months before the, the workers there were like, oh, uh, yeah, no, we're not we're not doing this. There's got to be a better way. So some of those were some partners who had been transferred in from existing stores. So they did have some history with the company. But just as many of them were brand new partners, the company loves to use the, the term green beans. Um, I've decided that that's going to be in my bargaining survey as something that I want taken out (laughs) because I just can't continue to work for a company where I have to use the term green beans that many times a day. But that, that store is the most fascinating to me because it really shows that the company, 
they were in such bad way with how they were treating their employees that there wasn't even like that honeymoon period where you're with a new company and things are like, you know, all golden and you're seeing everything through rose colored glasses. These partners were like, absolutely not two minutes in. For the listeners, do you have any examples of like horror stories? Like I, how, how bad has it been for some of these baristas and workers at the Starbucks locations? Well, we've, we're dealing with a pandemic. So we're, we're responsible for not only keeping ourselves safe, but we're responsible for keeping our customers safe. There was never any, you know, I, if you've ever worked in a service industry job, you know that everything is based on how much labor you earn. So whatever you earn is what goes into the next schedule. And earn that's earned based on your profits, what you bring in. So in spite of the fact that we could have used a couple of extra bodies to, you know, post somebody in the lobby when there was a mask mandate and you've got all these people trying to come in without masks on or needing to sanitize the surfaces. At this point, it was like every 10 minutes you had to go out and make sure that everything was sanitized and taken care of. Never once were we given additional labor to do these things. So you're in on bar in the middle of a peak. You're producing, you know, some of these stores are producing 125 transactions a half hour. That's a transaction. So each of these transactions could have four or five drinks in it. So do that kind of math and how much you have to, you know, be moving to make that happen. And in the middle of all that, you're supposed to be able to spare a body to go out and wipe down tables and doorknobs. And there was no help given for any of that. That's we had insane. masks which we are still required to wear. But as soon as the mask mandate went away in New York state, customers were no longer, the company could have easily said, you know, we're a private company. We want to continue to keep each other safe. You still have to wear a mask in our cafe. They, they did not choose to do that. We had a timer that went off every 30 minutes. And that was it, literally, it's called the hand washing timer. And you were supposed to stop what you were doing, which we know is impossible in this kind of industry and go to a sink and wash your hands every 30 minutes. So between wearing a mask and washing my hands, that was supposed to be sufficient to keep myself safe, my coworkers safe, my family safe, because, you know, a lot of people were able to work remotely and, and social distance and keep themselves out of harm's way. We did not have that option. So every day you're going home to your family and hoping that you don't bring a deadly virus home with you. And this is way pre-vaccine. You know, we... They paused, Starbucks did a pause at the very beginning of the pandemic where they were closed anywhere from four to six weeks to sort of come up with a reopening plan that mm -hmm. they deemed safe enough for us to walk back into. That was the plan, what I just explained to you. And that was it. I mean, that was, that was what we were given, you know? And for me, it didn't get any better. You know, it wasn't like, okay, they're figuring it out. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. We'll see weekly, every week we get what's called a weekly update where it's supposed to keep us up to date on things that are changing in the company. And every week it was like, your safety is at the utmost of our importance. Um, by the way, please continue to increase your profits because, you know, and it was just, it was so hollow. The other thing that was crazy for most of these baristas is this whole TikTok drink phenomena, if you want to go with that. I mean, we're being asked to produce these drinks at record-breaking pace, but they come in and they're like 17 components. So it's, it's impossible. Something has to give. And we, so we get these training sessions. We used to, once upon a time, you know, close a store and all sit around a table and talk about new things that were coming up in the company, sort of check in with one another. That is, that is gone. Now we sit in front of a computer for anywhere from five to 15 minutes every time there's some sort of new training and you're sort of responsible for making sure that you understand what's going on. Well, we just had a TikTok training a few months ago, right, right before we decided to go public with this campaign. And it was like two minutes and it was like, a customer comes in with a TikTok recipe. You have two options. They show you the recipe. Yes, I know how to make that. Or no, I don't know how to make that. 
If you do know how to make it, proceed. If you do not, have the customer instruct you on how to make the beverage. So there's no no option to opt out of this. There's no opt out. There's yeah. like, have a customer stand <laughs> on the other side of the counter and explain to you how to put a, together a beverage that you're selling to them while the line of people behind them right. gets increasingly annoyed That's by the fact up. that this is what's about to happen. I, if you're a customer who does that, you're an asshole. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I feel bad. I, my normal Starbucks order is I get a venti misto. Uh, and I feel bad because it actually involves two ingredients. So I can't imagine asking for something that involved like 17 steps. And I think the thing is, most of us love the people we work with, love the customers that come in. It's not even so much, uh, I don't want to do this for you. It's that I would be happy to do this for you if the company wasn't also saying, do this but do it a hundred times a half hour and make sure that everybody leaves here incredibly happy and no one has to wait more than 35 seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can't, it's just so contradictory, the information that mm-hmm. comes from them yeah. where you're just going, this, this can't be a real life situation. It, you, half the time you feel like you're in an SNL skit. <laughs> well, and not only that, but so my girlfriend, which by the way, happy birthday, Adrian, it's her birthday happy today. Birthday. Yes. But she was a barista at spot coffee for a long time. And she told me, look, basically they intentionally kind of understaff. <laughs> like they, and I have to imagine Starbucks is the same way where they intentionally try to get as few people as possible. And that if somebody calls off that it's like a nightmare for that shift. So I can only fucking imagine in the pandemic where you're washing your hands every 30 minutes and you know, you're wiping down the tables. I, I have to imagine that based on what you're saying that they weren't staffing anymore to account accommodate for that and then you have some you know dillweed coming in like hey can you give me the tiktok drink like i would lose my marbles i mean it can be very frustrating most of the time and and that's where it's unfortunate because the fault of that doesn't fall on the customer the customer has been told repeatedly that we will bend over backwards to accommodate you and to a degree I agree with that. I mean, you're coming in, you're spending, the thing that the company loves about these TikTok drinks is you're charged for each one of those components individually. So, I mean, they don't have a problem with you coming in for a $12 drink. Unfortunately, they don't look at it in terms of, hey, you're messing with our supply. You know, one of those drinks comes out that all of a sudden calls for something that we don't generally use and an entire warehouse is now out of raspberry syrup. In 10 years, I had two customers who would come in and request raspberry syrup. All of a sudden, I've got a TikTok drink. They can't they can't even get us the raspberry syrup fast enough because, you know, some drink has 17 pumps of it in there and everybody's ordering it. And they're all like, hmm, we don't understand. We're not sure what happened with that. Well, I'm, I know what happened with it. There should be a limit. Let's limit some things because you're running, you're putting us through the ringer right now and you don't really seem to care and that's where we are you know we got we dealt with a pandemic we dealt with you know crazy increase in productivity with little to no increase in labor being allotted for that and all of a sudden people are questioning what am you know what am I doing here Taco Bell is hiring for you know a dollar more an hour to start than I'm currently making after 11 years with the company do I want to go work at Taco Bell? No, absolutely not. I'd like to stay at a company with people who I genuinely care about. So the only option was to start making these changes from the inside out. And to that end, so from the beginning of this, like the early days of the organizing, what was that like? Because I know that, you know, even though we've seen, Jim and I were talking before the show, that we've seen an uptick, a massive uptick in approval of unions throughout the country. But still, it had to be quite intimidating to like even like working for a mega corporation and starting to think in that mindset. Like, what was it like? 
I think truthfully how naive I was, I didn't even necessarily look at it in the level of taking on a global company. I think when you're put up against a wall and your survival response sort of kicks in, it just, that seemed like the only response. So the fact that we're taking on Starbucks, that's only started to settle in with me, I don't know, in the last maybe month or so. Initially, it was just like, is this even possible? We had, you know, Spot was able to organize about six, seven months prior to the pandemic. And I think that sort of got people in Buffalo thinking, hey, this might be a possibility. And then we got through, we got into the pandemic in the thick of it and we saw continued deterioration of our working environment. And then it was just like, you know what? I guess this is our only option. So it was, we, it was quiet. I mean, I give the, I wasn't on the initial, initial start of this. I came in maybe a month or so in, but I'll tell you, I didn't even have a whisper of the fact that this was happening. So, I mean, they really just did all of the right things. I don't know if you're familiar with the, the two baristas in Philadelphia that were fired. I think it was a couple of years ago. They had been starting to think about organizing and their store manager found out about it. And in violation of so many labor laws, I'm certain, the company fired these two baristas. And um, then they filed a wrongful um a wrongful case against the company for, for being fired for that. And they, they won. And the company said, listen, we'll pay you each $50,000. If you just, just go away, just drop this right now. And they were like, absolutely not. Because if we take this and we go away, we can't continue to do this work. What we want is our jobs back. And we want, you know, retro pay for all of the time that we've had to deal with this. And the NLRB ruled in their favor. I mean, they won. Now Starbucks is appealing that, but they won. Unfortunately, they didn't do it the right way. They were too public too soon. And when you're dealing with a giant corporation, it's very key to have all your ducks in a row before you go public. And so we were super fortunate that we were able to do sort of that work. I, I blame the hubris of the company that was bringing in record-breaking profits that they just didn't even see that this was happening. And so by the time we went public, I think we went public on August 23rd. We do know that someone had found out within the company, but they only had about 24-hour leadway on us going public. So by the time we went public, they had already started all of these meetings with these store managers with Littler Mendelssohn attorneys sort of instructing them on how to handle this situation. But it just wasn't enough notice to like get in. We had already, we signed, we sent the letter to Kevin Johnson on the 23rd and there were 50 names, 50 signatures on that. That's a lot of people to come in and try to unlawfully fire. So we kind of got ahead of them on that. And I'm grateful for that because truthfully, if they had found out about this, you know, back in June, I think when we were getting going, it would have never gotten off the ground. That's very interesting. And yeah, let's kind of segue into their reaction. So Starbucks union is announced and they got a 24 hour, uh, you know, heads up on this. But I mean, what was their initial reaction? Were they like, oh, my God, like, what can we do to make your life? Like, clearly you're having some grievances here. Or, Or were they like, you know what? Good luck to you guys. Initial reaction was no reaction. They had, there was no public statement issued at all. I don't know. I'm sure that they were strategizing. Like I said, they didn't really have a lot of time to figure out what a response would be, but there was no initial response. Within a week of going public, we filed our petitions for the three stores. And within that time, that's when all of the corporate sort of started flying into Buffalo. And again, I'm still very naive at this point. And I'm thinking, all right, well, you know, that seems like an appropriate reaction right now. They'll come in, you know, they'll they'll do what they're going to do and then they'll go away. They've never left. So, I mean, they flew in the end of August and 
as far as I can tell, all of them plus additional people are still staying in Buffalo and have not gone anywhere since then, which is crazy. I mean, we have all the way up to Ross Ann Williams, who is the president of Starbucks North America. I think she's like just below Kevin Johnson in terms of her position with the company and what she bring, you know, her, her salary. Um, she's never left. I mean, she's still staying in Buffalo, popping up at stores, doing garbage runs, sweeping the floor, cleaning the bathroom. <laughs> I mean, wow. it's her dog must be so hungry by this point. Yeah. I, I don't know what, what they're, I mean, they've put their entire lives on hold as far as I can tell to come here and try and stop this union, which is crazy. When I think about it, I had someone say to me the other day after Howard had come in and spoken, you know, Howard Schultz who flew into Buffalo solely to give a speech about the Holocaust and <laughs> wow. someone said, you, you did this like you and your coworkers, you are, you did this. Like you are responsible for this billionaire flying into town to give this speech. Like, how does that, how does it feel to be a part of something that huge? And I kind of had to sit back and I don't know that I even still have processed where we are because we're still fighting. Maybe, you know, in a year when, when this settles, I'll be able to go back and be like, yeah, I guess that is pretty substantial. But right now it just seems like this is the only choice. And so we're, we got to see it through to the end. Yeah. You mentioned it, Michelle. I mean, they've pulled out all of the stops at this point. Early on, I know they, they temporarily closed a couple locations, right? The Walden and Genesee locations at one point were closed for remodeling. I know which you was bullshit because I, I, the Genesee, the airport location is the location I go to. And I was there in early in Labor Day weekend right. before Snake and I went to Maine. And then I was there two days ago after renovations were done. And I can't tell that there's been a damn thing that's changed in this store. Finger uh, quotes, renovations. Re re renovations. The only thing I can tell this change in the store is that it seems to, that they've shortened the hours that it's open, uh, probably to restrict the amount of money that the workers can make there and to fuck with their lives. Because I, I know that the, the hours have changed because I mentioned a couple weeks ago on the show, I stopped there at 5.30 and they were closed on a Saturday at 5.30. Oh, I was like, oh, okay. Typical normal working hours for a Starbucks. Yeah, no, and that's come up too with um, some of those baristas at that store I've gotten very close with in this. And one of them, you know, is very outspoken. And she approached Ross Ann herself and said, hey, we need to talk. With us closing this early, you are preventing half of my partners from bringing in enough money in their paycheck to be able to pay their bills. There's absolutely no reason. They've stuffed these stores full of workers. So what they did when you're talking about the closing of the Walden Anderson location, they closed the Walden Anderson location and made it solely a training center. So what they presumably were trying to do was they took all of the hiring out of the store manager's hands and they brought in recruiters to bring in to hire people. My assumption is that they wanted to make sure they could vet these potential new employees to see where they fell on the on the union issue. And then they trained them in this closed store without any interaction with customers and not in the store that they were eventually going to be shipped off to. So these poor new hires, these poor green beans, to use their own vernacular, <laughs> are being trained in this closed store. And then they get to our store and we're being told by them that, A, was their training insufficient, but half of the time they were just being sat down to listen to anti-union rhetoric. So, I mean, it's so blatant what's being done it's almost kind of comical because they're they're kind of their own worst enemy 
again, going back to, they clearly are using an old union busting playbook and just really don't know what they're up against. Because I think the, the, the worst thing you can possibly do with someone from the Gen Z generation is to tell them not to do something. Because immediately when they get to our store, they're like, hey, they've been telling me for two weeks that I shouldn't join this union. Do you have a pin I could wear? <laughs> you know, it's just, they. I mean, I. it's just for the future. crazy. Yeah. And well, and also, haven't they had like nonstop meetings with you guys, like basically taking you out of your, your work day or your work life to watch some corporate videos or like hear some corporate speech about union, anti-union mm-hmm. stuff? They're, they're calling them listening sessions. They will continue to state that they are not mandatory. However, you are paid to attend them. So for those people living paycheck to paycheck, yeah, they're going to go in for a, a one-hour meeting where they're going to get paid for a minimum of three three hours because that's New York state law is that if you're brought in for one hour, you have to be minimum paid for three. And if they're happening, so a lot of these store closures, you're talking about these stores closing early, they close early so these meetings can be held. So they'll be like, you know, they'll, be less than a week's notice and we'll have to put something up on the door that says, oh, our hours have been adjusted. Today, this location will be closing at 3 p.m. But if you're scheduled for that closing shift, if you're scheduled for the shift after 3 p.m., if you choose not to go to the meeting, you are not paid for the hours that the store is closed. So to say it's not mandatory and then say, yeah, but you're going to lose five hours of pay if you don't go to this meeting. I mean, you can figure out that it's probably mandatory. But anyway, these listening sessions started off pretty generic. They were like, a lot of sitting around and, you know, apologizing to us for the state that the Buffalo market was in and explaining that these problems didn't exist anywhere else in the country. And they didn't know how bad it had gotten here, but they're sorry. They're here to help us. And then with each one, I think we've had four, maybe five now. They've just gotten increasingly more anti-union. So like by the third one, we had to sit through an entire 25 minute PowerPoint that they had put together. And it was solely dissecting the Workers United Constitution. Workers United is the union that is standing behind us, helping us organize and nothing in regards to where the company actually stood. Just the whole conversation was, this is the Workers United Constitution. Your dues are paying somebody's salary. The union is actually a business. It's designed to make money. And I said, "Okay, okay." so the union has to pull in some profits. People's salaries have to be paid. A lot of that money goes to other organizing, helping organize other other workplaces. Like that's where a lot of the dues go to. You know, st- a lot of the dues coming in right now to Workers United are going to our campaign. It's a huge campaign. Mm-hmm. When we organize, some of our dues are going to go to organizing the next campaign. Makes perfect sense. And they said, well, you know, it's a business. And I said, as opposed to what, Starbucks non-for-profit? <laughs> right. I mean, as far as I can tell, we're both dealing with businesses. The difference is my dues are helping to organize somebody else and the labor that's coming into Starbucks is going to, you know, Kevin Johnson's $20 million sale bonus. Right. So <laughs> pretty, pretty soon they'll, they'll have a PowerPoint where like you like unions and here's just a picture of Jimmy Hoffa, like stepping on kittens. I mean, it really was <laughs> that, you know, there's a whole clause that's from like eons and eons and eons ago that basically says that um, if you violate the, the union constitution, you can be put on trial without representation. I mean, it's, it's an archaic clause that has never been put into effect. It probably should be removed. Um, but it was like three separate slides solely on this. And we were like, I said, you know, th- we, we recognize this as a scare tactic. Like you are deliberately trying to scare people into not, and they're like, your dues, the annual dues are like 500 bucks total. When you break it down, it's like $5 a week or something like mm-hmm. that. And, but they put this big number up to try and scare people into, you know, it's just like, no, actually that's like, that's probably my tips per week, you know, so it's not, it's not a sufficient 
enough of a scare tactic to to keep people away from this. Have you ever seen those graphics that companies will put up? You can buy a video game instead of pay your union dues. I'm like, well, let me think about that for a second. I could buy a house, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Right. <laughs> or, or I could pay union dues and probably get a couple extra dollars an hour out of the con- union contract. Yeah. And I could do both. I could pay my union dues and buy the video game. Wow, that sounds great. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned something in there, Michelle, about... Starbucks saying that it's just the Buffalo market that has gotten so bad. I'm curious, like, did they point to anything in Buffalo that makes us so unique? Or they just said, oh, it's gotten bad around it's, here. It's probably our, our addiction to blue cheese. Probably. Yeah, that's right. Uh, no, they they haven't. They don't like being contradicted on that information. We have a lot of partners in the Buffalo market that have worked in other markets. I've worked in another market. Half of my half of the people at my store have worked in other markets. And when we raise our hand to explain that not only have these are these happening everywhere, but they've been happening for years. I was in the Hawaiian market with Starbucks nine years ago, and these issues existed nine years ago. We've got people from Atlanta, people from Manhattan, Rochester, you know, all over the place that are like this. They're like not only do these issues exist everywhere, but they're actually worse where I came from than they are in Buffalo. They're actually substantially worse. We had this one partner who raised her hand. She goes, listen, I don't know what you guys are doing in Buffalo, but you need to go to Manhattan because if you're trying to fix places, that place is way worse off than we are. And they're, it is as fast as they can change the subject. I mean, they're just, they don't want to hear anything because if, if they acknowledge that those problems exist elsewhere, they can't continue to deny the reason they're here because they've still at this, to this point, even though we're sitting through very clear anti-union meetings, if you ask them what they're doing in Buffalo, they will all say, look you in the eyes and say flat out, it has nothing to do with the union campaign. That's kind of scary. Ugh. Gives me the heebie-jeebies just thinking about like somebody, some dead-eyed executive looking. Right, very children of the corn. Right in the face. Like it has nothing to do with it. Were, were they a Jedi? Like this is, this is not the the level executive <laughs> you're looking for. Yeah. It's more like Steve Buscemi, hello fellow workers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we we have now the big hello fellow green beans. <laughs> God, I'm gonna start calling. Well, thanks, Michelle. I'm gonna call I'm people green beans from now on. I've had to say it so many times in the last couple of months where it's just it's lost most of its meaning. But it also just irks me because if we're looking at terms, so the green bean is like the unroasted coffee bean. In case you were wondering where that was coming from, but now you know I'm an 11 year partner, so I'm like, so what the hell am I like? <laughs> am I like aged Sumatra? Like I'm not okay with the progression of where this is going. So I'd rather just get rid of it altogether. You're like you're like, like six day old wet like coffee grounds. Coffee. Like what? Yeah. What am I? Some marketing person thought that up. And then many other people thought this is a great idea. That's usually how it goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So we've had the national response now. This has gotten very, very big, obviously. I mean, we're talking Starbucks, mega corporation throughout the world. And you mentioned it. We had the big cheese himself, Howard Schultz, failed presidential candidate. One, that, that's going to get memory hold, but not by me. I will never forget that presidential campaign. Or uh, did you guys ever, do you remember Conor O'Malley, the comedian, like his videos that he'd post where he'd mm-hmm. like drive around like like in dirt or like blood on his face, like Howard, Howard, I love you. Mr. Howard Schultz, I'll do anything to get your, I could do anything to get your fucking ass elected. Please, I want to, I want there to be Starbucks president, your first brand uh, president ever. <laughs> and I want to say that I'm so fucking happy that everyone get puppuccinos and everybody get cappuccino. Only no coffee man can stop the Kofifi guy. <laughs> so that's what I think of Howard Schultz, and I, I wish I would have seen him in town, and I would have. Howard, I love you. 
Anyway, Howard Schultz comes to town. Um, billionaire, founder of stuff. Well, he was a founder, right? Yeah. Or one of the early yeah, guys. My understanding is that he actually bought the company from someone, but I'll be honest with you. I don't know its sure. roots. For all like intents it. and purposes, the Starbucks guy. Um, he had a, uh, it was a, was this a paid event or was this like you had to get tickets to the event or? Oh no, it was paid. Anyone who attended who was a, an hourly worker was paid to attend. Okay. So. And, and we were talking before the, the show about this, Michelle. So didn't they say it was supposed to be like some special guest? Well, coming? The, the invitation, which I have to say was issued 48 hours be- before the event on a Saturday night, which to me was just sort of like insulting that we wouldn't have lives outside of this establishment that we could just drop everything to go to this event. I did not attend. I did actually have plans that I was not willing to give up, but the invite said, um, it was a, it was a partner event, special partner event, and there was going to be food and there was going to be drinks. And, and the bottom, it says you will be paid to attend. Um, and there'll be, there'll be speakers and there'll be a special guest. Well, we had already heard sort of whisperings that Howard was coming to town. And frankly, this was moments before these ballots were supposed to be mailed out for these three stores. So we are all sort of just waiting for when he was going to make an appearance. It wasn't at all shocking, but it was talked about like he was expected so that the special guest was going to be some sort of special guest. You know, we had heard that at a lot of these um, store manager conferences that they have and district manager conferences they have that the rest of us are not party to, you know, they'd fly in like Alicia Keys, you know, some, some big name celebrity. We also knew that this Taylor Swift um, collaboration was coming up as well. I don't know if you knew that, oh. but she, you know, there's a Taylor Swift collaboration since she re-released okay. Red Taylor's version. So we were like, oh, maybe could it be Taylor Swift? Well, five in the morning on Saturday, the day of the event, which you know was beautiful for those of us who didn't have to get up that morning, we get not only an email, but we get a text text that came to our phone. Now, normally this text this text number that the company is supposed to be using isn't in case of emergency number, like hurricane, you know, like a hurricane or COVID or, you know, a giant snowstorm. So now we're getting these emergency texts the to emergen- talk about. The emergency was Howard Schultz hurt, hurt right. feelings. Yeah. So in this text that woke me up, it's a video of um, Deanna Pustier, who is, I believe the new VP regional director in this area. I'm not entirely sure. She was just recently appointed moments after our union campaign went public. Though if you ask her timeline, it was before that, but regardless. And it's her her face in this video announcing the special guest is going to be how, no, none other than Howard Schultz. And everyone was just kind of like, oh, like we... We already, we already right. knew. If, we if, already knew Howard was going to be there. We if you're going to wake me up at five else. o'clock in the morning, it better be Taylor Swift, right? Right. So everyone was just like, uh, <laughs> "Okay, all right." So that's that's who it is. It's seven five to seven p.m. at I believe it was at the Hyatt. You know, one of the hotels that they're all occupying currently. Um, and it got pretty wild, is my understanding. I wasn't there, but I was given the play-by-play moments after it ended because it was so extreme that most of my coworkers couldn't believe what they had just witnessed. I don't know if you're familiar with what happened or if you'd like me to go into it. Oh, well, I was actually pulling up because for the listeners who might not be aware, Howard Schultz gave just a, a wonderfully rousing speech. Uh, so I'm told and, and reading some of the comments here just warms the cockles of my heart. Uh, yeah, no, he, he really knows how to work a crowd with his Holocaust, uh, analogies. Um, it's a shame that he didn't become president. <laughs> I know, I know. I wonder how come. For the listeners here, I'm going to read the, some of these remarks that just 
chef's kiss. This is incredible content here. So he talks about a trip he took to Israel. He met a religious man and he learned some lessons from him. So from Howard himself, when people in Germany and in Poland were sent to the concentration camps, they were thrown into rail cars. And sometimes the journey was eight hours, 10 hours, 15 hours, no light, no water, no food. Kind of like working at our stores. (laughs) When they arrived at the camps, the rail cars were slammed open. You could hear that metal door just right at, right against the cold weather. Men were separated from women and women were separated from children. And one person for every six was given a blanket, one blanket for every six people. And the person who got the blanket had to decide what to do with this blanket that I had for myself. And not everyone, but most people, most people shared their blanket with five other people. And the rabbi says to me, take a blanket and go share it with five other people. And so much of that story is threaded into what we have tried to do at Starbucks is share our blanket. Michelle, are you sharing your blanket? I mean, I'm on, I'm entirely confused with what he was expecting. Like, I myself am to share my blanket with my five other coworkers who can't pay their rent, or is Howard saying that he's already shared his blanket, so there's nothing else to share? So there was definitely some confusion as to who... Who was the actual blanket holder in this analogy? Whether it was right. Him my or question would be, who's putting you on the train? <laughs> like, yeah. like, I mean, it was in, it was absolutely in poor taste. I don't know if there, there's another part to that story that I'm not sure if it made to print, but essentially it was about him going to the Wailing Wall with this this yes. rabbi that he had encountered there, and basically the rabbi saying that he didn't feel worthy himself to touch to lay his hands on the Wailing Wall, and then he pushed. Howard into the Wailing Wall so that Howard could touch the Wailing Wall, basically implying that while the rabbi was somehow not worthy, the rabbi felt that Howard himself was actually worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not really, really confused as to where that ties into what we were even discussing, but he felt it was necessary to fly all the way to Buffalo to share that story with us. Yeah, I, 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 I don't get like... When the the steel opens against the cold weather, is that a, is that a, a buffalo joke? I'm not sure. Um, I actually it, didn't think about that. Uh, <laughs> Maybe he was trying to relate. Right, he was just like, yeah, well, I know it gets cold here, and uh, and you know our doors have some steel around them, so it's it's similar. Um, and then the Wailing Wall story, like yeah, like that the the pious rabbi is like, well, I'm not worthy of touching the wall. Let me smash your face into it like a wedding cake. I mean, was he expecting people to go nod their heads and go, "Oh, oh, yeah, oh well, Howard, it, you're so great." Well, that, 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 yeah. that's what he was expecting. Is yeah, people right, people yeah. were like, "Like, what well, you're you so amazing that this wow. made up rabbi and this yeah. story that's really definitely true that you're not making up." That uh, why would we do anything against you? Well, and truthfully, they had stacked that room with as many corporate as they had regular hourly workers. They'd fl- I mean, all of the corporate that are stationed in town that are at our stores sort of surveilling us, supporting us in quotations these last 70 days, were all there and additional ones that were flown in. And, you know, there, there are reports. My, my, one of my friend's coworkers was like, yeah, I saw Rossanne wipe a tear away from her eye while he was speaking. And yep. I was like, that's insane. That's insane. So those, all those corporate, they were they were falling over themselves for this speech. That's who it was for. That's well. That it, that reminds me of I had the opportunity to see current president at the time current president speak in Buffalo. I saw George W. Bush come speak at Klein Hands, 
there was they he took questions from three people in the crowd and now it was obvious to me but the people i was with were like i can't believe he picked on those people and they had such relevant questions i was like oh yeah like like they weren't plants like those questions (laughs) like that whole thing wasn't arranged ahead of time like you're you really think he picked a person and like my son's an Iraq war veteran. And he's like, wow, that, you know, that's really means something to me. And like that, that was just coincidental. How, like, how stupid are you in Marilla? Well, what's, what's amazing. Well, sorry, Michelle. What's amazing to me real quick is like, you have a guy, Howard Schultz, who's been like the face of Starbucks, his whole adult life. And who, at one point, like we mentioned, was planning on running for president, went across the country, like having talks with people. He shows up for this huge event regarding basically his company's future. And this is what he throws out there. Like this is this. Is, they're sending their best and brightest to do this. Make up weird, weird stories about getting thrown into the whaling ball. I've heard he's made statements since then that he had. I don't know if this is good or bad, but he hadn't actually planned anything. He didn't write anything out. So he was just sort of like free form whatever up there i don't think that his pr team is ever going to allow that to happen again. he would have been better off saying that he was really high on mescaline <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i agree with you i don't think they're ever going to let him out of his cage without like a script firmly in hand but okay forget those jokers here the nlrb national labor labor relations board then allowed uh ruled that the starbucks stores could vote individually as stores can you talk to us about how big of a win that was for the effort here it was a huge win i think truthfully it was kind of an expected win because so what what ended up happening when we filed these petitions that was what we had asked for was to vote on an individual they call it um an individual unit which there are there's decades of precedent with the nlrb that says a single store unit is an entity that can unionize on its own what ended up happening with that is the company's lawyers called a hearing where they said they disputed that and they wanted the entire market to vote. Truthfully, they don't want anyone to vote, but they want the entire market to vote, I assume, because they thought they wouldn't get the majority. You only need a 50% plus one majority to to unionize. So I think at that point, you know, early September, they didn't think that our market would have that. So they wanted us all to vote so that we would lose. Um, it's very unusual to have a hearing that lasted the length of the time that our hearing ended up lasting. It was almost a full week and a half. Usually it's like a day or two. They called all sorts of witnesses. You know, I was subpoenaed our lawyer, you know, it was absolutely crazy. We knew the end result was going to be the same. We knew the NLRB would rule in our favor because they had no reason not to. What they were actually doing with this hearing was delaying things for as long as physically possible. And they were very successful in that delay tactic. I mean, we won our hearing. I believe the NLRB announced the results on um, Thursday. I think it was the 28th of October. We filed our petition on the 29th of August. So they managed to delay us two months just solely by having that hearing. We did get the result we wanted. It was a big win, just not an unexpected win. Um, and they, I don't think we're very happy about it. So their next step, I think this is probably where we're going is, um, because we were requested our, uh, we wanted a mail-in ballot, you know, it's still COVID seemed like the safest way to do it. Um, I guess that actually, that was a surprise because that doesn't always get granted. Usually they want you to go and vote in person, but the NLRB was like, you know what, we're granting your request for a mail-in ballot. 
that took an additional 10 days to go out. So we got our, we get our win on the 28th of October. Ballots don't get mailed out until the 10th of November. So they just went out last week. Um, Right before that was supposed to happen, 24 hours before those ballots were supposed to be mailed out to us, the company filed a stay with the NLRB, essentially alleging that the decision, the original decision that they came to was wrong, that the laws that they based that decision on were wrong, and that solely based on that, they should, we should get a stay where our ballots should not be mailed out and that they should essentially get a do-over. <laughs> what the NLRB did, which was um, pretty amazing, at least in our day and age, especially with my my fellow Gen, Gen Z coworkers, they had two options. They could respond in either way and say, we agree with you, we're going to issue a stay. We disagree with you, we're not going to issue a stay. Or they could just ghost them completely. <laughs> and they just ghosted them completely. <laughs> so in that event, because they just chose not to respond, the ballots go out based on the original decision. So that's what ended up happening. They did eventually two days later, they did respond to it and they, they disagreed with them and they said, no, you don't get your, you don't get your stay. Oh but my it was God. Just, I'm so sorry. I forgot to text back. Yeah, and that's literally, <laughs> literally that was like, they just like left them on red, <laughs> totally ghosted them. The ballots went out when they were supposed to go out. And then a couple days later they were like, Oh, sorry. Just saw this. Oh, so no, busy. Sorry. You don't get Crazy your, week. No, you don't get your stay. Sorry. Oh man. That's that, God. That's so funny. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it has, has since become, as we, you know, we've touched on this, that it's become a huge story nationally here. We've had a lot of profiles in national outlets, the New York Times. I read a piece in Intelligencer earlier. What's it been like to be the subject of like national stories like this? Yeah, I, I saw that you were with like Yahoo Finance. Uh, yeah, that was one of the very early, earliest interviews that I personally gave was a uh, Yahoo finance. And I had, I had been working that day. I had an open shift. I think I was working like five to one or something. And they wanted this interview to happen live at like one fifteen. I couldn't like, I couldn't get, I couldn't do it in my store. Like that would have been ridiculous. So I got in my car, left our parking lot, drove around to Lincoln Parkway and like pulled over and had to give this interview like on my phone from, from my car. And, um, it's been interesting. I think I've been, most of us have just been so exhausted that none of that has really settled in. Like every time a request comes up, it's like, okay, if this is something that helps get the media involved to further our cause, to help us continue to get public backing, which is going to be incredible. It's incredibly important now, but when we get to that bargaining table, it's going to be that much more important because, you know, if they've shown anything, it's that delay is their game. They could delay this, this, sitting down to the bargaining table with us indefinitely, unless there's enough public outcry that it would just be too, too much bad PR to do that. Mm -hmm. So in terms of, you know, I think we've done interviews with the New York times, Washington post, wall street journal. I mean, everyone across the country and even a lot of global, we just sat down with um, a reporter from Australia last week. I think there's one with the BBC coming up. I think I'm told that our story is going to be on John Oliver tonight. So, I mean, there's been a lot of national coverage and international coverage. Um, why locally it doesn't seem to be getting the hits that I think it deserves. I mean, that kind of speaks for a lot of the things in Buffalo that don't necessarily get the attention that we think they should be getting. Um, yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll touch on that in a minute, too. Yeah. Shades of India Walton. <sighs> well, we'll we'll get to that. I promise. But one thing I did want to ask on a national level is, 
you know, AOC came to town, as you mentioned, to support India Walton. I know she sat down with the the Starbucks uh, Workers Union, um, and she's obviously been a very loud voice for for labor. Has there have there been any other national political figures that have lent their voice, or even anybody in the Biden administration reached out at all? I mean, we've had a lot of uh, retweets and support via social media. Kristen Gillibrand just posted something recently. Brian Higgins was one of the first people to sort of get on board. Even Chuck Schumer, I think, said something towards the beginning. Um, Biden's administration directly, not that I'm aware of. Um, I don't think that we've pushed hard enough maybe for that. And I think that that time is coming. Um, right now, it just seems like it's the media, the media outlets that are really jumping on all of this and not necessarily the politicians, which is unfortunate because eventually they're going to have to figure out that, you know, this next generation of the workforce is out to get what is owed to them. And their local representatives are going to have to start stepping up to the plate and I would think you'd want to get on the ground floor of that. Yeah. Seems like that would be the right choice. So um, I think the hope from many of us is that this is the catalyst for some pretty broad, large changes to happen in our government. Well, like Re mentioned, he and I were talking earlier, and like I had seen a survey that was done, and that it was like 68% of Americans have a favorable view of unions right now, which is the highest percentage in like 55 years. But that percentage... It's boomers actually have like the lowest approval rating for unions because they're trash. Um, not all of them. Probably most no, of them. No, I mean, not, not, I mean I, I, I'm going to use a pretty broad brush here, <laughs> oh, okay. but not all of them. I mean, my father's a boomer. And He's great. I, we love him. And I told him what we were doing today, and he was like, well, make sure you tell her that like this old union employee is, is going to support them. But like, you know, Gen Z and millennials are like, unions hell yeah like you know light them up and burn it down well it's just the wage gap in this country has never been larger than it is right now one of the talking points the corporate talking points has been on the decline of labors in the last few decades you know well unions aren't happening anymore because people don't think that they need them no unions aren't happening because you're spending millions and billions of dollars to make sure that they don't happen mm-hmm. it's not people's lack of wanting to organize it is you guys finding out about it and throwing money at it until the problem goes away. So that's not that's not the same thing. Right. And and unions exist at definitely higher levels in Europe and relatively closer levels than they, they've they've been in the United than in the United States to their peak levels in Europe. And people in Europe enjoy a, a relatively average higher standard of living for the average worker compared to in the United States where, you know, you can work sixty hours a week and be poor. To circle back around to your point from earlier, Michelle, so the local media coverage here has been zilch. Like it's been uh, like completely non-existent, which is fascinating for a couple of reasons. Maybe you should get some parking tickets and get your car towed and then you could be in the Buffalo News. Well, it's, it's fascinating to me because one, this is a like a mega story throughout the country, throughout the world. And it's sitting right in our backyard and, you know, the Buffalo News and the local television news outlets are just like nah but also because of the cwa and the nurses strike was happening pretty much at the same time that got a lot of press that got and justifiably so but it's just it's very curious that they let that get a ton of air and press but you guys uh, this historic union drive and it's just radio silence yeah i'm not entirely sure 
why that is. I mean, I can speculate. India Walton was one of our most public supporters from the day that the campaign went public. Um, and it was very clear, I think, where the media stood on, on what candidate they would prefer to endorse. So maybe there was a little bit of fear that if they started following our campaign, then they would inadvertently be endorsing uh, the candidate that they they weren't preferring to endorse, which is sad. The rest of it, when we did make, you know, there's been a couple of Buffalo News things that have come out. And generally speaking, they're, the, I think the most recent was a little bit more pointed and it gave a little bit more information, but most of them have been just kind of like fluff pieces for lack of a better word. But I will say what it's done, it proves how much local support there can be if there is media, because within, you know, moments of those even smaller articles coming out, people from across the community have reached out and been like, oh, I didn't even, I didn't know this was happening. You've got my support. You know, what do you, what do you need to have happen? So it's very, very important on a local level. That's what's going to help. You know, that is the morale boost that these workers need. When somebody walks into a store where you've got, you've had six corporate people sitting in a lobby staring at you work for the last eight hours and a customer walks in and was like, hey guys, I heard about your union campaign. I'm, I'm rooting for you. Congratulations. Those little like high fives, I don't think that the public can can realize how important that is to us right now and where we are in this fight because it has been a long, exhausting two and a half months. And so you can almost feel like, what are we doing? You know, you start to doubt yourself after a while, which is exactly what they want. They want you to doubt who you are and what you're doing and whether or not you're doing the right thing. And one of the things when we were able to sit down with AOC prior to that rally for India, she was just unbelievably informed on what was happening, which was amazing. Not that I would have expected less, but it was so refreshing to sit down with somebody who whose roots were in the service industry, mm-hmm. who understood what it was like to work your butt off for hours a day, you know, for hours a week and still have a hard time coming out on top. And the first thing she said was, listen, guys, this is a different type of union busting. This is now you know, you're not, it's not the 1930s. You're not worried about someone running your car off a bridge because you wanted to organize your factory. It's psychological warfare. And that's what they're banking on. They are banking on that they can come in and they can turn you against your coworkers and they can make you think you're crazy for even attempting to do this because things are so wonderful. Why, why do you need to do this? And she said, you just have to know that you're on the right side of this fight and the choices that you are making are going to make your lives better and they're going to make your coworkers' lives better, better. And then that's what you have to keep saying to yourself over and over and over again. And so when the public gets involved, when, when you've got reinforcement coming from someone who's not in the middle of the fight, that's massive. And so I wish if people listening to this locally understood just how important just that is. So the local media is not covering it, but we, we talked about like, so how many of the Starbucks workers, the baristas are actually like Gen Z and millennials? I don't imagine a lot of them read the fucking Buffalo News on a regular basis. So how does like social media affect it? You know, is there a better response? Have you seen a better response on, say, Twitter or Meta, Facebook, whatever garbage that's called? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think Twitter has been huge for us. Instagram has been huge. Facebook, it, you know, in my circle, it's for it's for boomers in my circle <laughs> being what I think they refer to as a geriatric millennial. That's still a big form of communication for me. So anytime you know, a lot of the support that I've gotten personally for this campaign has come from my friends on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is your a, aunts, my aunts. Yeah. <laughs> but this is this is a different kind of organizing. We have 
cross into a new frontier of organizing. You're not having to, you know, go make house calls after work or call people on their home phones at dinner time. You know, you can start a, a Twitter account and a Facebook account and an Instagram account and have an entire country behind you within a couple of weeks. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that we are, this is the new frontier of organizing and Gen Z is prepared for, I mean, they are way prepared for that. Not only that, but they, they're not in the millennial frame of mind where we're sort of always kind of just hoping things are going to get better. They're like, nope, you know what? Gave it five minutes. It's not getting better. We're going to take care of this on our own. Right. So, I mean, that's who these corporations need to look out for, yeah. honestly. Well, it's, it, I mean, that's similar. To, so it makes me think of uh, like the Amazon uh, organizing that they're going to get a redo. The one in Bessemer, Bessemer, yeah, yeah, Bessemer in Alabama. But uh, they they are going to get a redo. But because it was like it wasn't Bessemer, and like the average age of the employee was older than the average age that you have in the Starbucks, was like that. It was more of a calling people on their home phones type of organizing. So you know, I I'm sure yeah, Amazon probably hired Mendelssohn as well. They're the union busting uh, law firm. And they probably are able to use some of the tactics that have been tried and true and worked for them. But like you mentioned, like it, it's not working for them. One, one thing I did want to mention, um, or, or I guess bring up, Michelle, we talked a little bit before the show about this, but we've seen a couple, a couple different um, coffee places have, have unionization pushes. Um, I know the folks at Spot had the big push. Was it last year? Two years ago? Now I have no sense of time. Summer of two years, yeah. right? And uh, you know, and they've been they've been kind of humming along uh, at this point. And I know that Perks here in Western New York, um, there was a unionizing push, and they just closed all the fucking stores. So I know that like Starbucks is a much different scale of company that you know I, the perks one in particular i think it was some rich guys kids who yeah it yeah i mean it's, it. it's my understanding that it was the uh child of one of the newmans from the newman oil company right. also known as noco right uh and basically they were like they did the whole pagula thing we're like well if we want to make more money we'll go drill a well but like you know their child wanted to own own a coffee shop or two and they were like sure i've got the disposable income to run a coffee shop i guess and but and then they as soon as they want to unionize it they're like no we don't there's a reason why the newmans have won multiple awards from the tonawanda republican committee and it's not because of their pro-union stance (laughs) well and i bring this up not to say like oh are they going to close the starbucks in in buffalo and western new york because i i don't think that's going to happen like i'm starbucks is is mcdonald's like you know i know the people who go to starbucks and I'm sure they're all great, but with their TikTok drinks. But I mean, this isn't like we're just going to close down, you know, but, all these stores. I mean, they are cutting the hours. Like, like I said, I, the closest one to me and the one I go to is the airport store, and it closes at five o'clock because you know, famously the airport closes at five o'clock. No flights come in after five p.m. No, no, no flights come in after five p.m. My, my my point of all this is like, was there any kind of fear of retribution if the union effort does go through, or you know, like what? And, and again, I'm not trying to grill you on this, but if, if it, if it, and hopefully for your guys' sake that it is successful, do you know, like, if there's going to be a next step after that, or is it just, let's see what happens? I mean, the next step is getting them to the bargaining table as quickly as possible, which I think would be in their best interest. As far as closing the stores that managed to win the unions, I don't think you could be any more blatant about why a store is being closed down. And being that Starbucks 
carries this reputation with them where they're a progressive company who cares about their employees and cares about the community around them. I mean, I don't know if this ever came up or if you've seen this, but Starbucks actually requires their third-party suppliers to sign a document saying that if that third party were to stand in the right of their workers to organize, that Starbucks has the right to pull that contract. So if you are, you are making your third party suppliers sign a document stating they will not stand in their, their employees way, but you are standing in your employees way. So, I mean, the level of hypocrisy is huge. So I think closing stores down that have managed to win unions would be the wrong look for them. Um, at some point, they're going to have to flip this and start working on their PR, especially after Howard's speech last week. I think that we have a lot of shareholders and it's not every time they sort of make, you know, a slight misstep. When we got our hearing decision, you saw stock prices start to to drop a little bit. Mm. And so it just wouldn't behoove them. It wouldn't be a financial decision, I think, to continue to stand in our way. Eventually, you're going to have to, you know, kind of admit defeat and say, now, how do we how do we come together and work towards making things better? Um, that's my hope. I just, I maybe I, again, I'll go back to being a millennial who is very naive and, and has a little bit of an idealistic view on this company that I've spent so much time with for such a long time that they do generally after making a mistake, do what they can to make it right. Well, and I'm sure spot coffee will say, yeah, go right ahead. Close your Elmwood village location, please. Oh, they'd love it. And right. that's just it. You can't, I mean, Elm, the Elmwood location is one of the last remaining old school cafe Starbucks in this area. They're all kind of going the way of the drive through because the drive throughs make the most amount of money. I mean, that's mm-hmm. really what it comes down to. But we're a neighborhood store in a neighborhood that, you know, I've got these regulars I've seen for, I've been at that location six and a half years. I've had regular customers that I've seen every day for six and a half years. It is a community. It is a neighborhood store. The outcry, the public outcry would be substantial if they made that move. I mean, I used to see uh, both Larry Quinn and Tim Murray in that store all the time when I lived in the Elmwood Larry Quinn's a regular. We see him every morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Larry Quinn is in there all the time. He's, he's ordering his Union Strong Larry drink, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. It's, it's, it, yeah, it's called the Romans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, no, uh, and I, I think that you'll see, like, as far as, like, getting them to the table, just like people in this area rallied around CWA, once a union's in place, like, I think people will rally to the union formation in this area. It's a, it's still a pretty strong union town. But once a union's in place, people will one hundred percent rally behind it and say, "Yeah, you have to deal with like you can't you you can't screw these people over. You have to give them a contract." And Buffalo really was the perfect place for this because let's face it, I mean nobody loves an underdog more than Buffalo. I mean, nobody give give some Buffalo baristas, put some Buffalo baristas up against a global corporation wanting to unionize and do it in a city like Buffalo. I mean, we this is who we are. I mean, this is absolutely who we are. No one loves Buffalo more than Buffalo. You know, no one loves an underdog more than Buffalo. And I'm you know, I'm proud of that. I've been I'm Buffalo born and raised and I will fully admit that. I, even in, you know, even in all those years when the, you know, the Bills were winning three games a season and, you know, <laughs> continually breaking my heart, we'd get to the Super Bowl and I'd be like, who's the team least likely to win this Super Bowl? All right, that's who I'm rooting for. Because that's, it's in, it's in our DNA. We can't help it. Well, that's not in Ree's DNA. He's a Notre Dame guy. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, but I, 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 I want you to get back. You told us a story before we got on air about a, a corporate guy wearing a football jersey today. Oh, yeah. And I'd love to hear that, that. Hurt a little oh bit. Um, we've got these support managers that are stationed in our stores. 
they're there under the guise of support in quotation marks. Essentially, the, the allegation is that all of the managers in at these stores in Buffalo are, are just failing miserably at their positions. So they've brought in the, they've brought in these managers from across the country to support them. Now, I will go on record as saying particular manager at my store it's the best manager I've ever had in this company. She's just a genuine human being. She cares about her employees. She's doing a, just a, can I swear on this? Sure. Yeah, oh yeah. She's doing a kick-ass job. And so the implication that we are organizing based on her performance, not only is it bullshit, but we've said at every single one of these listening sessions, that's, that's not the reason. But one of these support managers is from Boston. Truthfully, I'm trying to give most of them the benefit of the doubt because I'm not someone who likes to go in immediately disliking another human being but he walked into my store today i was sitting at a cafe table having my coffee and he walks into work you know we're allowed to wear bill's bill's paraphernalia on sundays because it's buffalo and why wouldn't you be um and he walks in on the floor and he's wearing a freaking tom brady jersey i just i like couldn't even i couldn't even pretend that i wasn't upset about this i walked right up to him and i said uh i'm gonna have to take a picture of you in that jersey so he was from New England, right? He's from Boston. He's wearing a Buccaneers jersey, which in and of itself, right? It's that's like that. Uh, that's like uh, liking the picture of your ex girlfriend on, right. like, on Instagram, dude. He broke it's up like with sharing you. it on your, for your Facebook. Yeah, like he he broke up with you. I have a huge issue with people who are not necessarily football fans. They're just Tom Brady fans. Like you don't like football. You like this one person. Right. Well, Howard Schultz, if you're listening, and you might be, you very well may be listening to us right. this interview. I just want you to know that you cannot offer to put yourself through a table to not give the workers at Starbucks <laughs> less money. I just, I know you're thinking. I know you're thinking in that way. And right, even if you're on fire and the table's on fire. Well, what about the ketchup and mustard thing? Still no, maybe. Oh, <laughs> now we're now we're at the bargaining. Maybe table. If, if he does the if he does the the Pinto Ron thing, yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll give him Camp Road. Oh, okay, okay. Right, we're we're just and we're talking about us. We're we're <laughs> us personally at the square organizing directly with Howard Schultz. So that's <laughs> that's our negotiations. But uh, the ballots got mailed out this past Wednesday, the tenth. Right, they are going to be uh, so they need to be in by December eighth. Okay, and then the count is on December 9th. Yeah, it's a live uh, vote count, I believe, via Zoom, given you know the state that we're still in, where they will open every single ballot for each of the three stores. And they're, they're um, secret ballots, so it's not that they're going to say Michelle voted, um, but they'll tally the votes for each store. And I'm assuming, I don't, I've never been a part of this. This is the first time I've ever organized anything, so I've never sat through one of these. But my guess is that by 2 p.m., on Thursday, December 9th, we're all going to know the results of this. Now, who's leading the count? Is it like a labor board person or uh, is it Starbucks? It's that, it's that uh, vampire from Sesame Street. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Which would be perfect, actually. <laughs> Speaking of vampires, that is what Ross Ann Williams dressed up as on Halloween and oh. visited all of the stores. Oh, oh, oh boy. Jeez. And I, I'm sure the irony was completely lost on her. <laughs> no, so no doubt about probably it. Probably was a poor choice. Oh, my God. Um, I believe it's a representative from the NLRB. Um, and then... They're each party, the the unionizing party and the company should have observers that are there. Um, I'm not as fluent in the process as I would like to be, but I will be when this is over. And I believe the first step of the process is that there's a list of eligible voters for each store. And it's based on um, the payroll period prior to the NLRB decision. And that's how they decide who is eligible to actually vote. 
Um, and what happens before these ballots are even counted is that each side has a has the right to object to a voter, and they can base that on whatever whatever they they think is an appropriate reason to object to that vote. Now they're not objecting based on what the vote is. They don't know who the vote what what way this person voted yet. They can just solely object based on who the individual is and why they don't think their vote should be counted. Uh, I'm sure they're not doing any kind of recon on individuals right. and trying to oh, get them. Oh, not so, at all. So is, is uh, and maybe you don't know this answer, but so is the vote based off of the percentage of votes that are turned in or are the percentage of votes that could have been cast based off of the payroll? Um, so the vote is solely based on, it's like any sort of election. Um, the based no's count as no's, the yeses count as yeses, and the the ones who don't vote don't exist. So it's okay. not like... It's not like a no vote count. It's not like somebody who didn't vote counts as a no or counts as a yes. They just don't exist. So if you've got 30 people at a store and only 15 people vote, seven vote, um, that's a bad number, five vote no and, you know, whatever, 10 vote yes, then the yeses. Okay. Well, I I just wanted to ask because, like, in in a country that has over the last 40 years become as anti-worker as this country has, I could see like not voting be counting as a no nowadays. Hopefully we do not get to that point, but that is all the more reason to reform some of the labor laws in this country before it does go in that direction. Yeah, for sure. Well, Michelle, we are super excited to have had you on the show today. Um, You know, one, because we, again, we support the good folks at Starbucks who are just trying to make a decent living in the middle of this pandemic and uh, increasingly kind of getting kicked down to the point where you're like, we can't do this anymore. So we're happy to have you on, happy to support you. Also, again, nobody else in the local media market is really doing this other than like a couple Buffalo news pieces and a hatchet job on Channel 4 recently, right? My understanding, I, I will not say that I was able to watch it, but my mm. understanding is that it uh, seemed to be a lot of work for something that didn't actually turn out as well as we would have liked. So where so where is the after party on December 9th? Where, <laughs> That's where, a great question. Um, don't what? think that that has not come up. Uh, what, I, I, I will tell you on December 10th, we are having a party at Row Halls. And oh, all right. it's, it's, a, it's a fundraiser, but it's not for us. Uh, we're giving the money to Vive Refugee Shelter. A good friend of mine bartends at Row Halls. Oh, yeah. Well, so we'll be there on on Friday the tenth, but I'm free on Thursday the ninth. So wherever, <laughs> well, wherever I can you guys promise are. you that as soon as that decision is made, I will make sure that you have that location because um, it will be a long time coming, and we'll certainly all want to let loose a little bit. Right. I mean, because I mean, I I I was at uh, Essex last weekend. And I saw somebody with a Starbucks Workers United shirt, and I was able to give them a fist bump and buy them a beer. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome! Yeah, there those those signs. If you guys are anyone's interested in a yard sign, Starbucks customer for Starbucks Union, we've got those available. You can um, contact us at uh, Starbucks Workers United. Um, our our email address, I think it's at gmail.com. I'll have to get that officially for you. Um, we've got pins, we've got shirts, we've got people just reaching out, wanting to lend their support, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Where, where are you guys on? You mentioned there's a big Twitter page and Instagram. Where can people find you? It's um, SB Workers United. Um, and you'll find we've got an Insta, we've got a Facebook page, and we've got a Twitter. I'd say the Twitter is probably the most active and certainly the way most people are reaching out. Um, and we've got an office located in the TriMain building on the fifth floor where people have been stopping by to sort of lend their support, pick up signs, stuff like that. 
Now, if you are Jane Q. Genius, regular weekly Square, uh, Square podcast listener, and you wanted to support the the fine folks over at the Starbucks uh, United, what what could they do? If the list, somebody's listening in today and they're like, hey, I really want to support you guys, what would be the one thing you say, you as a customer or as a person in the public, how, how would you like the support? The absolute most important right now is to come into those three stores that are casting their ballots um, you know, even if you're not there to purchase a coffee, but you could certainly come in and purchase a coffee and just vocally say that you support the campaign because those those corporate that have been sent in, they're hearing all of this. Sometimes, I mean, it's very funny because a lot of the times these customers don't know who they're talking to. They don't know that the person they're congratulating on a union campaign is actually the corporate manager that was sent in to sort of surveil. So it's made for some really entertaining moments on the floor where they're like wanting to high five the person who was sent to sort of stop it all. Um, I think, I mean, that's, that's what it is. It's that vocal public support, you know, share something, share something from our Facebook page, retweet something from our Twitter, just make sure that we've had so much, it's a union town, Buffalo's a union town and a lot of union members from, from all over have just stopped in to say, Hey, just wanted you to know we support you. And it's that little, you know, no one's calling for a boycott or anything you know, obviously we, we need our, we'd like to keep the jobs and Mm. in order to keep the jobs, we've got to keep selling the product. So, um, it's more just vocally showing your support. I would also add, if you can tip 20% tip, if you can, well, no one's going to be upset over (laughs) (laughs) it. If you can, Uh, even, even 21% is okay. Sure. Right. Right. And those locations, again, it is the Elmwood Starbucks. It is the Walden Starbucks and it's the camp road Starbucks. It's actually the Genesee, Genesee, which is over by the airport. Okay. Um, but the three that just recently filed, who will hopefully get their vote date soon, is the Walden Anderson location, which is no longer a training location that kind of backfired miserably on them. So they've reopened it. Um, it is the location at Sheridan and Bailey. And it is the Depew location, which is um, at Transit and French Road. Not to be confused with Transit and North French, because, you know, Buffalo's got all these things. But right. Transit and Transit and French Road. So those are the three that just recently filed. And hopefully an expedited vote, because we've already established everything that needs to be established in this last hearing, even though I'm sure that the company will try to delay things. My anticipation is that, you know, they'll look at precedent and say, well, we already discussed all of this, so we're not going through this again. And they'll get their vote sooner than we did. So that transit or French one, it, here's a, a story that nobody will care about <laughs> is, is across the street from an M&T bank that used to be a Swiss chalet. Oh, oh. Okay. Uh, so if, if you're looking for a, a bank that can serve you ribs and chicken, that's not the bank. No. It, it used to be, but it's not the bank that it is anymore. Okay. I'll pour one out for Swiss Chalet. Yeah. But anyway, Michelle Eisen with the organizing committee for the Starbucks Workers United. Thank you so much for joining us on the square. Yeah, you'll have to come back after you have a union and uh, and then let it let you know how it's going. Let me know yes. how it's no, going. Wait, I definitely will. And and uh, tell me who's going to play you in the movie. Yeah, I will. I'll have an answer for that too. All right, great. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, guys.
Um, I don't know about you guys, but every now and then I get a little dose of 90s nostalgia. Um, well, this morning when I was driving around picking up food for the podcast, Goo Goo Dolls came out, and I'm like, oh, wow, no, 90, 90s nostalgia. But underneath it all, there was just, uh, I, 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 we often forget because we look at the past in rose-colored glasses that, uh, man... I, I, I can't, there's kind of a feeling of like depression and alienation back then. Mm-hmm. And even though I think objectively things are worse for labor and workers right now, or at least in, in, in recent years, there's a surge in, in labor involvement. There's more solidarity. There is an empathy. There's an understanding going on, at least in the younger generations that I think it's encouraging. And I think things are on the, on the right path right now. No, I, I totally agree that like, you know, um, I don't know if I would say things are on the right path, but I, I think there are paths being broken. Right. That yes. might be the right trail to take. Sure. And also, there's a lot less fucking teal around. A lot less teal. A lot less teal. Mm-hmm. Um, people are not wearing khaki shorts. Oh, yeah. The anymore. cargo shorts. The cargo shorts yeah. with... With, um, you know, like, the, I, I know those may be an early 2000s thing, but it definitely started in, the like, the mid to late 90s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, and... People are st- starting to wear big white shoes again, though. They, they are, and and starter jackets are cool again. Yeah, but, yeah. were they but, ever not cool, though? Uh, Apex One jackets used to be cool, and they're never cool. <laughs> we're, we're getting old enough for, like, like champ... Members sport. only. Oh, yeah, well, like, the champ sports stuff was, like, got really cool and expensive, and now it's out of fashion again. yeah. yeah. You know, it's all it's all happening fast. But I, I, I just I, I wish that like as somebody who, you know, was in middle school and high school in the 90s, uh, that the the big Johnson T-shirts would be popular again. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't think this is the first time you brought this up. On the no, podcast. no. It's, it's, I mean, this, this is like is this a constant reminder for me of oh, what about those of my like, own uh, mortality? Co-ed naked? Co-ed naked. Uh, Shit happens when you party naked. Right. What, what those are all over the place. No fear. No fear. No fear. Right. Yeah. And I also brought up that the same store that sold the co-ed naked and the Big Johnson t-shirts had a a hockey t-shirt that was a a Sabres t-shirt that I I had that said uh, on the front said Jesus saves, but on the back it said Shatan scores on the rebound. Wow. Okay. And I I wore that to a mall in Charlotte, North Carolina in the Bible Belt. Mm -hmm. And uh, they didn't understand the reference. uh, they, They didn't get the reference, but... They they it spelled something they thought was different, <laughs> and boy, what did I get some nasty looks. Oof. Okay. You know what I really wish they'd bring back? It's not. I I don't think it's. Well, I guess it was nineties, late late nineties, but it was definitely early two thousands. Stephen Berry's. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, they had right. a Stephen oh. Berry's at the Gallery Mall. The, the you could sports get sports store. Well, but it was like, but it was like sweatshirts and hoodies. And, yeah. And they had like different team ones, and you could get them for like fifteen dollars, ten fifteen dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I think like because they did a lot of colleges, so then I think the the schools like swept in. They're like, yeah. yeah. And then you saw a lot more of like the licensing rights. But before yeah. that, like you could get really nice sweatshirts and stuff for yeah fifteen bucks. It was right. great. Yeah, because they they paid like thirteen dollars for the sweatshirt paid the colleges zero dollars for licensing money and then just printed like something on there like they did what they could for as long as they could right you know they they did the essential like like politicians when they're running for office and they hand out magnets and they want to put a bill schedule on something but they can't call it the bills because they don't have the licensing right so it's like buffalo football schedule Oh, so well. let's wrap this up. We've got we've got some some other news. Obviously, the Starbucks uh, unionization efforts. Yeah, Starbucks were union unionization efforts. Uh, we had Howard Schultz make 
the least liked uh, blanket speech since Peter Stuyvesant. <laughs> oh, but in, in the labor front, we've got the CWA workers. Yes. The Catholic health contract. They are no longer on strike. Yeah. They... Let's give them a round of give applause. Give a round of applause. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, my understanding is that they had no concessions, that they, um, they, didn't, yeah. they didn't have to give up anything Fuck and that yes. they were able to basically win the strike. So yeah. props to them. We, we should get somebody from from that union mm. to maybe come in if we can get uh, a rep or yeah, something. Listeners, but, let us know. Hook us up. Yeah. Let, yeah. That's, I mean, that's how we got, uh, that's how we got Michelle Eisen is, is a, a friend of a friend. And, and mm-hmm. we were able to get somebody to bring her in. Uh, if you know somebody with CWA, we'd love to have somebody from CWA on. Uh, we don't want to take away from their nursing schedule. Yeah. I mean, they have to save lives. Sure. But when they're not saving lives, they can spend time with us. Yeah, we'll accommodate their schedule. Right. Well, and, and honestly, like that's a big reason why we do this, right? That, look, we identified that there's a whole bunch of you beautiful people who want to hear conversations with people like Michelle and people like India Walton and voices that don't get heard or get <laughs> get suppressed or otherwise not being listened to in our community. And you're all rad. And they're rad, too. So we do this. It's not like we're making a million bucks off of this. We just like to do this because nobody else is really doing it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked that we could have somebody from the Starbucks Workers Union sit down with us today and have a long conversation and not really get that platform anywhere else here locally. It's us, baby. We're yep. doing it because we love you. Mm-hmm. Love you. We love you. It's true. We do. Mm-hmm. We love you very much. Um, yes, we talked a little bit earlier about the party, but again, it has been moved to December 10th. Yes, December 10th. We had a little scheduling conflict with mm-hmm. the venue, Royal Hollis Corner, 7 p.m. December 10th. So we have still have tickets for sale. So uh, come on over. You never know what kind of illuminaries you'll see there. <laughs> Tom and Jerry's, we'll have pizza, wings, all that. So if you don't want a Tom and Jerry, you get one drink with the ticket. You can have whatever you want, but I hope you get a Tom and Jerry. I hope you get a Tom and Jerry. And, and just so you know, the money goes to Vive Refugee Shelter. It's the right. largest refugee shelter in the United States. Happens to be right here in Buffalo, New York. We could probably have some people speak at it too. I mean, we'll we'll certainly say something. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or you listen to us every week. You don't need to hear us talk. You need to, you want to hang out with us. That's cool. But right. we're not going to give you some big speech. It's more about the good vibes. We want to promote right the vibes, the people, the community. Because truly, like building a community is maybe the most important thing about this to me. Oh sure. And the fact that you know we do have weekly listeners and people who have become part of a community of the square podcast like us it is mind blowing. And love so the fame. We love it. Yeah. We love the attention. Yes. Yes. We're, we're, yeah. We're glory hounds. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I am a prima donna and mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I need that validation from you people. Yeah. yeah. I can tell you one person who won't be at the party. Jack Eichel. <sighs> oh, well, I mean, maybe, maybe Vegas will be in town. Maybe. Well, I can tell you one thing. His surgery went well. Oh, I guess he's recovering. It's from what I understand. Finally got to have Finally. the surgery he wanted, but he is out of Buffalo, unfortunately. He is out of Buffalo. And luckily for somebody who had the reputation that he did of drinking a lot and spending a lot of time out in nightclubs, yeah. he went to a town that is well known for its sobriety. <laughs> yes. I'm excited for Jack Eichel's upcoming chastity and you know abstention from uh, any vices. That's the luck for. I'm, ex- I'm excited for. I'm, I'm excited for like 25 years from now watching the 30 for 30, the end of Jack Eichel's career when he moved to Vegas. <laughs> oh, Where he just it, it's it's just like 
it, it's it's just him night after night at the Bellagio. <laughs> the only other news of the week I think we have is a big spike in COVID around here. For fuck's sake, you, you're probably vaccinated because you're listening to us and you're not an asshole. But get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. Get a booster. Let's quit fucking around, okay? Wear your mask. Yeah. If you see somebody and they're like, I'm not vaccinated, like, I, I mean, do what I do. Car- which, carry some around and just I, stick them with it. Yeah, I just I just carry it around. And I, I have like a, a like you know, like one of those trank guns that they yeah, have right, at like yeah. wildlife preserves. Yeah. And I just shoot somebody in the neck. Uh-huh. You you have like a Second, Second Amendment right shirt on. Right, yeah. So people are okay with it, but it's just a tranquilizer gun for right. COVID vaccine. Just COVID vaccine. Yeah, it's uh, it's concealed carry. Uh-huh. Where's your, where, where are you going to be this week? You know, it it wouldn't be as much fun if I told people where I was going to be. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it, it'll definitely be in the South Towns. Okay, great. Because, I mean, that's where the unvaccinated yeah, are. Well, let's face it. I mean, the North Towns are, you know, Tonawanda, Amherst, pretty vaccinated. Sure. Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. Eastern suburbs, just a wasteland. I mean, basically just Mad Max out there. Like, you, Newstead, Marilla, Alden. What, like, what if we did for, like, raccoons and rabies? What if we just dropped, like, vaccine chocolates? To the to the east towns, just airdrop, <laughs> just airdrop. Yeah. We, we, we might have better luck with uh, better luck with chicken wings. <laughs> vaccine chicken wings. Yeah. Now we're onto something, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Vaccine uh, or, blue cheese, <laughs> blue cheese. Yeah, we're, or we might better better off just you know what? Let's let's just vaccinate the the raccoons and oh. have them be the new like <laughs> mayor of Alden. Oh sure. You could you could do worse, wait, wait, right? A, a raccoon isn't already a mayor of Alden, right? Yeah, the, the, the uh, socialist trash panda, the new mayor of Alden. <laughs> well, on that note, friends, you have been listening to the Square Podcast, hosted by Re. That's me and Jim. Jim, that's that's me usually, and I handle all the nerd stuff around here. And that would be Ryan, aka Snake, our man on the ones and twos. I don't know what that means. But it sounds fun to say. Well, he's on the eight hundred eight. He's on the 808, 808s and, and heartbreaks. That's uh, that's sna- 808 and heart snakes. So right. snakes and letters. Yes. You can find us, of course, on the internet somewhere <laughs> at a few different places. You could find us on social media at square pod buff two F's. That's on Twitter. We're also on Instagram, uh, Square Podcast, on on Facebook or or Meta if you're a, a boomer uh, like us. Um, yeah, we're all over the internet. Boomer. Right. You can also, you are listening to us somehow. But if you're not sure how to listen to us again, the next time you listen to us, perhaps consider doing it on Apple Podcasts, Google um Spotify, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, or just Google the Square Podcast. We're like the first result now. So yes, we we did bribe the folks at Google. We paid them a lot of money to mm-hmm. generate us for the SEO. No, we didn't. We just people found. I don't know. Nobody else is. It's organic. It's organic, baby. Mm-hmm. And maybe vibes. and maybe if we greased some pockets, well, you know, who's to say? But you can find us there. So please keep listening. If this is your first time, uh, Howard Schultz, if you're listening. You know, we talked about the table thing earlier, so uh, at least try to get some better stories, Howard. Let, yeah, right. Yeah, and try a little harder. Try. If you're try a little harder. It. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, fuck it, <laughs> Jim. Where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me uh, on the Twitter at James Tamel. That's my name, James T as in Thomas A M as in Michael O L. Or you can find me on instagram at battle gym of the republic 
All right, Snake, how about you? Uh, Twitter, at WRANSteel. Cool. And you can find me nowhere. Don't don't find, don't find at me, bro. Don't bother. Don't yeah. at me. Right. But follow the you, square. You wouldn't want to see it anyway. Right. First off, go, go to hell. <laughs> I cut a little too deep. No, but please follow the square pod. Um, keep you updated on all the stuff with the show and uh, where we are selling tickets for the uh, for the party on the tenth. Come to the party, please. Let's, come to the we, party. We, we want to see you for sure. Anyway, go Bills. Yeah.